0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across
1: Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, with luck and Craig Ravel. It's one of those great days in the sport when we get a chance to talk to one of the great men of, this, of our category. Dave Reynolds, brought his character... First of all, through Sonic Motor Racing with Formula Ford, winning a championship, then Carrera Cup and winning a championship. And now he's won Bathurst, and he has been a feature of Supercars for some great times over some many years. And now he's cemented at Erebus. Probably going to retire from there when he eventually gets out of Supercars, but (laughs) enjoying this week's uh, interview with Dave Reynolds. Greg, you would have uh, enjoyed some interesting interviews with Dave over the years.
0: Yes, indeed, he is always a lot of fun to speak with, and even just having a chat to him in the in the garage, he is not exactly the same person on air as he is off air. He's uh, there's Dave Reynolds, the media performer, and then there's Dave Reynolds, the person you meet, and uh, he would probably deny that he's different, but uh, I think most people would say, yeah, he is a little bit different when you uh, get to know him on and off the track, and might also mention that uh, Matt Koch at Speed Cafe has done an interesting little story with Mick Ritter, the man behind Sonic Motor Racing Services. And, of course, if you want to know how Sonic got started, you could go back and listen to our father's series where we spoke to the uh, patriarch of the Will and Alex Davison's and uh, you can hear how the Davisons were involved so heavily in getting Mick Ritter up and running. Indeed, that's
1: true. And certainly uh, Mick has a, a, a large group of drivers out there from Windcup to Reynolds and beyond who uh, are long very grateful for their, his involvement in their lives. So welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Revell, and we're joined by one of the well, let's just say one of the stars, we'll call him that, of supercars, man who's been kept busy, Dave Reynolds. It's welcome to Inside Supercars. No worries. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Well, that's good. We know that you're a busy man with microphones, cameras, and all sorts of other things in this world. And, you know, just 10 days to go or so, um, back into a real car. Have you actually sat in your car in recent times?
2: Um, I haven't really back in my own race car since the Grand Prix. I um the boys have built a ride car at work, so I sort of sat in that checked the seat um the other day, and yeah, it all felt very foreign. It's <laughs> been a while. <laughs> well, that's good. Um,
1: it it's obviously uh, going to be very exciting for a whole lot of people. People whose job it is, people whose passion it is, um the fans. But for somebody who actually drives a car. It must be something that you're really looking forward to because you've been doing it a fair while now, um, and you're very good at it, but it's something you must be itching to actually get your hands on.
2: Uh, yes and no. Like, you know, like, um, the last like three years has just been an absolute blur. Like I have just got smashed with the amount of appearance loads the races, all this other stuff, um. This other extracurricular stuff I've do, been doing, a TV show, um, podcast stuff like it's just been just a hectic couple of years. So, I actually, has three months like a slowdown. It's been quite enjoyable. I haven't had to go anywhere or fly anywhere or anything like that. Um, the only thing I've sort of had to do is play that e, e- series game for so, for ten weeks straight, which I'm not very good at. So I didn't really have the best fun doing it, but um, towards the end I was starting to enjoy it. But to get back into a real car, it's going to feel quite odd because you know we've sort of done the the, the game version of racing, and then to go back and experience it, it's going to be going to be quite odd for me. I think. Is this
0: the longest time you've gone since you've started racing between actually physically driving a car? Go
2: probably not. Like when you're part of the younger categories, like Formal Ford and Career Cup and DBS and all those other categories, they have shorter seasons, so um, you have longer periods of break in between, you know, their seasons. So that that was probably the longest time. But since I've actually joined the category, it's probably been one of the longest times there since I've been full time in the category. It's been one of the longest periods I think we've had. But actually, when you think about it, you know, we usually have December, um, January, and February off. So you really do a bit of you hardly do much driving in between there so our 3 month break is is about our you know Christmas break
0: What has that break allowed you to do to think about racing and to think about how you go about racing
2: Uh well yeah like I to be honest I've, I've actually you know it, it it sort of makes you reflect on a lot of things that's happened in the past and what's going to happen future so um, yeah I, I, I don't I, I, I don't think it's affected like I haven't really taken it badly or anything I've just seen it as a as a passing period in my life that it will pass and then we'll go back to normal and eventually it'll go back to 100% how we used to have it so it hasn't really I haven't like really bought into the whole hysteria of the, of the virus or anything like that I'm not you know, I'm a young, healthy individual and you know, I don't think I was going to get any symptoms from it or I was going to you know, die from it or anything like that. So you know, I wasn't really scared about scared about contracting it. Um, uh, what else am I going to say? <laughs> How have I used this play down? Oh, I've actually really enjoyed it. Like I've, I've read a lot of books, I've um, cleaned my house a lot of times, organized a lot of things. Uh, upfilled my life in other areas, and yeah, I've enjoyed it, enjoyed learning other things that, you know, completely out of motor racing.
1: It's, it's highly likely, Dave, that there's going to actually be a new norm, a new normal, and that I'm just wondering, to so what are the things that um, you'd like to see, you know, possibly change, and what are the things that you don't want to see that change, you know, whether that be the way your team... I mean, one of the fascinating things is... You know that you, your team, you know, has evolved from a one-car team to a two-car team, and now it's one of the leading teams, not just in terms of competition, but in terms of profile, in terms of the way you do things. That's something that that is a definite positive that's happened in the last few years. Can you see other oh, things that you'd like
2: to see? Yeah, definitely. Like in the last couple of years, I think um, we've done a good job in building the, the brand and right, around our team and getting a lot of followers. So, Everyone's second favorite choice of the team, <laughs> not necessarily the first, sometimes first. Generally, if they, you know, say um, another team that, that we're always the second favorite because you know, we've got self, Anton, and Betty, we're all large personalities, we're very personal people, Aussie, Aussie made team, so you know, we're doing a good job there. Um, what things am I, I, I'd like to change and what things I want to remain the same, things I'd like to see change is probably the. As a category, the cars are too expensive, and we've been talking about that for a very long time. And I think they need to cut a lot of cost out of the cars so they're a lot cheaper for, um, you know, people just to operate. You know, their operational cost of the cars to be a lot less, um, and that could entice other people into the series as well. like People like Gary Rogers, um, you know, he you know been he's been part of the sport for such a long time; he loves it and I assume if the cars weren't so expensive you yeah, know he would come back in and then and then possibly control some of the capital expenditure you're allowed to have on it as far as engineering goes um, you know that the, the the cost of development is just blown out of proportion so you know they need to come up with ideas to sort of cap that spending or even delete it entirely um, you know you could change the engine package because they're very outdated old engines even though they sound great and I think that's something that has to remain the same the sound has to be loud um, the cars have to look fast-ish and that has to be close racing and if I was going to not change anything I would still keep that sort of full stiff in the car even though that's, you know, that's been debated about the running cost of the car I think that's a, that's a um, you know a inherent DNA of our cars that sort of differentiates them from the rest of the Areas around the world and makes them difficult to drive. Um, but other things, that I'd like to see change, I would like to see you know, a tyre that really, really, really falls off the cliff and wears out quite quickly. Uh, that has to be used in each race. And I don't, I don't really know. I haven't really thought about it much. Um, otherwise, I'd be telling you more stuff. But those are, you know, things that we can start with to ensure that we have. a a a longevity of the sport making everything cheaper and closer racing and better racing You talk about
0: the car costs and those sorts of things, when we see you go to Sydney Motorsport Park you're going to be doing it with a reduced number of people working on the car over the course of the weekend and uh, I don't even know if Betty, even though she lives in Sydney, is is allowed to come to the race. The, I think all the team owners have said they're going to stay at home. It's going to be a very different dynamic. Is this the ideal dynamic for a race driver? No, no corporate, <laughs> no boss. Uh,
2: yeah, probably not a bad thing. <laughs> we just get up there, get up there, and not deal with all the politics and everything, and just um, go go about our job and go race. At the end of the day, where race drivers are simple people. We love competition, we love racing cars, love going fast. Um, it's all the other stuff that they add on to it to make it viable for commercial reasons and make the sport produce money, which kind of wears it in at the end of the day. It's not the competition and get the most out of yourself. No, that's what we get out of bed every day to get better and and, do, and make itself better. Um, it's just all that other stuff that can wear you down. So to have that not at a race it's is probably going to be a, a good thing. Um, but I know in the short in the short term, it's not bad, but in the long term, it's, it's not a viable sport. So, you know, that's when you've got to embrace it. And um, hopefully all the crowds can come back, all the corporate um, sponsorship or all the corporate suites can come back, and sit can be a thriving atmosphere again.
0: Well, you are part of a very successful uh, media organization, and uh, you mentioned the podcast before. Were you worried when they said no media could attend the Sydney Motorsport Park race that they might lock you out as well?
2: They might lock me out because I'm – just because I have a podcast doesn't mean I'm part of the media. (laughs) Well,
0: then that means Um, I should turn up as well.
2: Um, Yeah, you're a driver. You drive to the track. You're a race
0: driver. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dave, in a serious note – you're driving at Erebus. You uh, picked up the seat when uh, Will Davison left it. How do you how, how do you re- how do you think about your role and your racing when you can see how a team so can so quickly shut down and close up shop?
2: Uh, yeah, it's what, What's happened to my good friend Will Davison? Very, very, very sad. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone to go through anything like that, especially you know, halfway through the year. Um, you know, but it is challenging time for a lot of teams and a lot of people, a lot of businesses. You know, some 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 businesses thrive in these in these circumstances, but others don't. So depends which side of the fence you're on. Um, but you know, it's, I've seen his career go go from strength to strength to strength, and now unfortunately he's left without a seat, which is so unfortunate for him because he was going so good and he was just he just built a good real a real good rapport with his team and his engineer, and he started to get on top of things in his car. So and devastating for for me as you know I'm a close friend of his to watch so i um man, um, i I try my absolute hardest in and out of the car just to keep everyone happy and you know represent the sponsors well and make make my team you know produce money so then we can keep going racing unfortunately, it's part of the sport and part of your job, getting back
1: to that racing thing um You've seen the uh, format, sort of the coming up proposed for Sydney Motorsport. Um, the practice, uh, I think two sessions and then qualifying, uh, race Saturday and then two on Sunday. Um, you know, that one stage it was being mooted, there'd be reverse grid races. That hasn't happened. There's, there's um, 15 car uh, shootouts. Um, are the thing: Are you happy with the way the format sort of been suggested and is going to run?
2: Uh, yeah, I, like I don't I haven't really got. I don't have a say on it yet because I haven't done it, so I can't really say it's going to be like this or say it's going to be like that. Because um, until you experience and go through that weekend, you don't really know how it's going to feel. So uh, I I know. Our sport's quite a young sport in its infancy, really. We've only been around for 20-odd years. It sounds like a long time. But it's not really that long in, in the course of, you know, when you look at other sports, they've been around for 80-odd years or 100 years or something. So, you know, we're always trialing and erroring things. And um, I think, you know, I always love a change. I love, you know, different formats, different race weekends, different fire types. I love all this The mixture of things is that kind of creates um, a surprise at the end, a surprise result at the end of the day, and I think that's what people love to watch: is uh, different winners, um, good battles, and the, the unknowing of who's going to win each race or each qualifying session. So that's what that's what I think intrigues me, or people want to see. So you know, the the more they throw it around different scenarios, um, different problems for us for us team people to sort of figure out, I think that that's a good
1: thing. It's going to be a very different race meeting, anyway, because you know there's no support categories. Um, you know that everybody has to stay in their own garage. There's no no socialising. There's, you know, if this is your spot in the next uh, two days or three days, I suppose you'll arrive Friday. Are you scheduled to go in on Friday?
2: Uh, yeah, I think we play it Friday morning. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's just gonna be a strange strange weekend. But uh, yeah, it's gonna kind of be like testing where you just turn up, drive the car. And, yeah, go home It's going to be strange. So, um, yeah, Tony, I don't really know what to think until I experience it. I think I'll have different thoughts on Monday. But uh, just to actually have something scheduled in in my calendar to go racing again, I think that's a, you know, a tick in the box.
1: And, and uh, at the moment, you, are you flying up on a commercial flight or is it going to be a, a, a chartered flight for a number of teams?
2: I think we're commercial, I think. sure. To be honest, I don't even know yet. I'm pretty sure it's commercial. Dave, interestingly, you've talked
0: about the reading and I know you're a lover of a documentary.
2: What have you been reading? Uh, I've been reading uh, many different books, actually. A lot of financial books, a lot of stock, investment type books. I I wrote a book about um, genius food. It's about this guy whose father was suffering with um, Alzheimer's and or dementia, and he basically fixed his father's problems with, you know, different types of food. And it was a very good read and very insightful. And, and, um, yeah, and I've been watching heaps of documentaries, but just, you know, the Epstein one, I watched that the other day. <laughs> I the Michael Jordan one. I watched a lot of different things. Uh, yeah.
0: What did you think I'm, of the Jordan one? Everyone's talking about that Michael Jordan, uh, series. What what yeah. was your take out of it?
2: Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, they were the best team at, at the time. Like, as a kid, I remember having all the merchandise and, you know, loving Michael Jordan, but really never saw him play. <laughs> you know, I knew he was just the greatest ever, but I never really watched a game. So it was just kind of weird how it was marketed so well to, to everyone around the world. Um, but, you know, they, I haven't really watched the last two episodes because I have got ground you know, he was a very, 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 very star performer, um, and their management really. That Jerry Craske felt like I felt like he ruined the whole the whole ordeal at the end there because he just looked like a bit of a dick. <laughs> I think he had a power struggle and he didn't want to admit that you know the, the players you know the 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 enormous sorry the um, the value he had in the players and. Yeah, you know, it, it was all collapsing around him, and he, you know, it was just
0: weird. How do you see it? I uh, yeah, I thought it was an interesting story, and knowing that Michael Jordan had the final cut was, uh, yeah. you know, you, you then go, all right, well, how? It, like he showed a lot of stuff that didn't put him in the best light, but you yeah. have to wonder how much has this been manipulated. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's like any documentary. You are always, you always have to go. What was the bent of the people who put it together? But it's a well, bit like when we, when they were kings. It was all filmed twenty years ago, and then wasn't released till twenty years later, type of thing, uh, which then gives it a different perspective than if you had seen it two years after
2: he retired. I know the guy. Oh, I think he was about my age, so he was, he was. Jordan fans, so he wasn't going to put anything sort of painting him in a bad light because he loved him so much.
1: Dave, it's been wonderful talking to you again. Um, I I look forward to catching up, um, maybe not uh, before Sydney Motorsport Park, but possibly after. Um, I'm sure that you'll uh, let them know you're there in your usual manner, and we hope you keep on doing uh, your Usual Dave Reynolds way of doing things for a long time to come. So enjoy Sydney Motorsport Park,
2: enjoy the return to racing, and say good day to your mates for me. Oh, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, I'm uh, got a big smile on my face when I turn up to Sydney Motorsport Park, and I'm happy to be there.
0: And a trophy at the end of it.
2: Oh yeah, that will help.
1: <laughs> it's always wonderful to uh, chat with Dave. I'm sure that uh, over the years that uh, you've had those glorious conversations. I've I've had coffee with quite a few times and lunch with Dave. A, down in uh Turak, and uh, he's just a delightful young man and one who I always uh, enjoy his his company.
0: That actually explains a lot about his dress in Austin, if he's a Turek cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and and people old enough to remember the uh, Living in the Seventies Skyhooks album would even laugh harder.
1: <laughs> yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um It's – we're in countdown mode now. It's only uh, 10 days, 11, whatever it is, five days away, Um, and uh, it certainly will be terrific to see these cars back on track. I haven't been a a great fan of the E-Series. I've tried watching the last uh, couple of races at Oran Park, and I found myself just thinking more of the memory of the races that happened at Oran Park and Bathurst rather than enjoying the event that was in front of me because – I just can't get enthused about these cars. It's not real. And particularly when you see the incredible flying through the air cars and it's still the car still moves forward by itself.
0: You know it's what's scary, though? You know what's really scary, Tony? I've been to a racetrack no, no. where I've seen a car do that. I was at Le Mans back uh, when the Mercedes turned into an aircraft. So whilst as spectacular oh, no. as those cars are, you know, you never forget seeing a crash like that uh, in, well, I wasn't on the uh, Mulsanne Straight, of course, but I was actually sitting down having dinner with the head of uh, Chevrolet Motorsport and the head of Opel Motorsport and uh, watching the uh, screen, and I was the only one facing the screen, the other two gentlemen had their backs to it, and I've you know, just, oh, my God, and then there's quickly turning around to uh, wonder why the camera was on the trees on the Molson Strait, uh, and, and then a few seconds later they had the replay. So, um, yes, Ooh, whilst, those, yes. Uh, whilst those flips look spectacular, you can never forget that can actually happen in the uh, bricks and mortar motorsport as well. Talking about uh, before we do wrap up for this week, Tony, uh, Park and View. Uh, Heath McAlpine from Auto Action has uh, got a story here that it looks like the park and view is a no-go. They're saying that they don't think they'll be able to get it across the line. Now, that's interesting because uh, the first motor racing event, major motor racing event, was run last weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, MRA had their event on, which is a double ASA-sanctioned event, and uh, they had a, quite a, an interesting uh, setup there where they brought one group of competitors in. They had a one-day meeting. They were, brought one group of competitors in, ran their qualifying, then ran their race, then packed them up, sent them out. The next group came in and packed up and unpacked. They went out and qualified and then did their racing as well. So they had a very compact format uh, that – I believe, a lot of the competitors actually quite enjoyed. So um, that is an interesting situation that uh, we're at this stage looking like the park and view won't get up. I know in Canberra this weekend, they are actually, uh, we don't have a formal drive-in anymore. Out by the airport there, they're actually going to set up a drive-in at a uh, large car park at the facility next to the airport as the, the uh, situation's easing with covid restrictions i would have thought the park and view would be uh almost a uh, guaranteed starter
1: it's it is a shame that it's all happened but you know let's just um hold out hope that things do change that things are never set in concrete nowadays they are fluid and that uh It could happen. Anyway, that's it for another episode of Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock enjoyed your company. We hope you enjoyed the show.
0: Thank you from me. And good night from him.
1: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.